letter nine part two of letters on demonology and witchcraft by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain read by dion gines salt lake city utah when under these auspices the ship was absent on her voyage a vagabond fellow named john stuart pretending to have knowledge of jugglery and to possess the power of a spayman came to the residence of tran the provost and dropped explicit hints that the ship was lost and that the good woman of the house was a widow the sad truth was afterwards learned on more certain information two of the seamen after a space of doubt and anxiety arrived with the melancholy tidings that the bark of which john deane was skipper and provost tran part owner had been wrecked on the coast of england near padstow when all on board had been lost except the two sailors who brought the notice suspicion of sorcery in those days easily awakened was fixed on margaret barclay who had imprecated curses on the ship and on john stuart the juggler who had seemed to know of the evil fate of the voyage before he could have become acquainted with it by natural means stuart who was first apprehended acknowledged that margaret barclay the other suspected person had applied to him to teach her some magic arts in order that she might get gear kai's milk love of man her heart's desire on such persons as had done her wrong and finally that she might obtain the fruit of sea and land stuart declared that he denied to margaret that he possessed the said arts himself or had the power of communicating them so far was well but true or false he added a string of circumstances whether voluntarily declared or extracted by torture which tended to fix the cause of the loss of the bark on margaret barclay he had come he said to this woman's house in irvin shortly after the ship set sail from harbour he went to margaret's house by night and found her engaged with other two women in making clay figures one of the figures was made handsome with fair hair supposed to represent provost tran they then proceeded to mould a figure of a ship in clay and during this labour the devil appeared to the company in the shape of a handsome black lapdog such as ladies used to keep he added that the whole party left the house together and went into an empty waste-house nearer the seaport which house he pointed out to the city magistrates from this house they went to the seaside followed by the black lapdog aforesaid and cast in the figures of clay representing the ship and the men after which the sea raged roared and became red like the juice of matter in a dyer's cauldron this confession having been extorted from the unfortunate juggler the female acquaintances of margaret barclay were next convened that he might point out her associates informing the charm when he pitched upon a woman called isabel inch 
or taylor who resolutely denied having ever seen him before she was imprisoned however in the belfry of the church an addition to the evidence against the poor old woman inch was then procured from her own daughter margaret telsier a child of eight years old who lived as servant with margaret barclay the person principally accused this child who was keeper of a baby belonging to margaret barclay either from terror or the innate love of falsehood which we have observed as proper to childhood declared that she was present when the fatal models of clay were formed and that in plunging them in the sea margaret barclay her mistress and her mother isabel inch were assisted by another woman and a girl of fourteen years old who dwelt at the town head legally considered the evidence of this child was contradictory and inconsistent with the confession of the juggler for it assigned other particulars and dramatis personae in many respects different but all was accounted sufficiently regular especially since the girl failed not to swear to the presence of the black dog to whose appearance she also added the additional terrors of that of a black man the dog also according to her account emitted flashes from its jaws and nostrils to eliminate the witches during the performance of the spell the child maintained this story even to her mother's face only alleging that isabel inch remained behind in the waste-house and was not present when the images were put into the sea for her own countenance and presence on the occasion and to ensure her secrecy her mistress promised her a pair of new shoes john stuart being re-examined and confronted with the child was easily compelled to allow that the little smatchet was there and to give that marvellous account of his correspondence with elfland which we have noticed elsewhere the conspiracy thus far as they conceived disclosed the magistrates and ministers wrought hard with isabel inch to prevail upon her to tell the truth and she at length acknowledged her presence at the time when the models of the ship and mariners were destroyed but endeavoured so to modify her declaration as to deny all personal accession to the guilt this poor creature almost admitted the supernatural powers imputed to her promising bailey dunlop also a mariner by whom she was imprisoned that if he would dismiss her he should never make a bad voyage but have success in all his dealings by sea and land she was finally brought to promise that she would fully confess the whole of what she knew of the affair on the morrow but finding herself in so hard a strait the unfortunate woman made use of the darkness to attempt an escape with this view she got out by a back window of the belfry although says the report there were iron bolts locks and fetters on her and attained the roof of the church where losing her footing she sustained a severe fall and was greatly bruised being apprehended 
bailey dunlop again urged her to confess but the poor woman was determined to appeal to a more merciful tribunal and maintained her innocence to the last minute of her life denying all that she had formerly admitted and dying five days after her fall from the roof of the church the inhabitants of irvin attributed her death to poison the scene began to thicken for a commission was granted for the trial of the two remaining persons accused namely stuart the juggler and margaret barclay the day of trial being arrived the following singular events took place which we give as stated in the record my lord and earl of eglintoon who dwells within the space of one mile to the said burgh having come to the said burgh at the earnest request of the said justices for giving to them of his lordship's countenance concurrence and assistance in trying of the foresaid devilish practices conformed to the tenor of the foresaid commission the said john stuart for his better preserving to the day of the assize was put in a sure lock-fast booth where no manner of person might have access to him till the downsitting of the justice court and for avoiding of putting violent hands on himself he was very strictly guarded and fettered by the arms as use is and upon that same day of the assize about half an hour before the downsitting of the justice court mr david dixon minister at irvin and mr george dunbar minister of air having gone to him to exhort him to call on his god for mercy for his bygone wicked and evil life and that god would of his infinite mercy loose him out of the bonds of the devil whom he had served these many years bygone he acquiesced in their prayer and godly exhortation and uttered these words i am so straitly guarded that it lies not in my power to get my hand to take off my bonnet nor to get bread to my mouth and immediately after the departing of the two ministers from him the juggler being sent for at the desire of my lord of eglinton to be confronted with a woman of the burgh of ayr called janet bouse who was apprehended by the magistrates of the burgh of ayr for witchcraft and sent to the burgh of irvin purposely for that affair he was found by the burgh officers who went about him strangled and hanged by the crook of the door with a tate of hemp or a string made of hemp supposed to have been his garter or string of his bonnet not above the length of two span long his knees not being from the ground half a span and was brought out of the house his life not being totally expelled but notwithstanding of whatsoever means used in the contrary for remed of his life he revived not but so ended his life miserably by the help of the devil his master and because there was then only in life 
the said margaret barclay and that the persons summoned to pass upon her assize and upon the assize of the juggler who by the help of the devil his master had put violent hands on himself were all present within the said burg therefore and for eschewing of the like in the person of the said margaret our sovereign lords justices in that part particularly above named constituted by commission after solemn deliberation and advice of the said noble lord whose concurrence and advice was chiefly required and taken in this matter concluded with all possible diligence before the downsetting of the justice court to put the said margaret in torture in respect the devil by god's permission had made her associates who were the lights of the cause to be their own burios slayers they used the torture underwritten as being most safe and gentle as the said noble lord assured the said justices by putting of her two bare legs in a pair of stocks and thereafter by onlaying of certain iron gods bars severally one by one and then eking and augmenting the weight by laying on more gods and in easing of her by off-taking of the iron gods one or more as occasion offered which iron gods were but little short gods and broke not the skin of her legs etc after using of the which kind of gentle torture the said margaret began according to the increase of the pain to cry and crave for god's cause to take off her shins the foresaid irons and she should declare truly the whole matter which being removed she began at her former denial and being of new essayed in torture as of before she then uttered these words take off take off and before god i shall show you the whole form and the said irons being of new upon her faithful promise removed she then desired my lord of eglinton the said four justices and the said mr david dixon minister of the burg mr george dunbar minister of eyre and mr mitchell wallace minister of kilmarnock and mr john cunningham minister of dalry and hugh kennedy provost of eyre to come by themselves and to remove all others and she should declare truly as she should answer to god the whole matter whose desire in that being fulfilled she made her confession in this manner but without any kind of demand freely without interrogation god's name by earnest prayer being called upon for opening of her lips and easing of her heart that she by rendering of the truth might glorify and magnify his holy name and disappoint the enemy of her salvation trial of margaret barclay etc sixteen eighteen margaret barclay who was a young and lively person had hitherto conducted herself like a passionate and high-tempered woman innocently accused and the only appearance of conviction obtained against her was that she carried about her rowan tree and coloured thread 
to make as she said her cow give milk when it began to fail but the gentle torture a strange junction of words recommended as an anodyne by the good lord eglinton the placing namely her legs in the stocks and loading her bare shins with bars of iron overcame her resolution when at her screams and declarations that she was willing to tell all the weights were removed she then told a story of destroying the ship of john dane affirming that it was with the purpose of killing only her brother-in-law and provost tran and saving the rest of the crew she at the same time involved in the guilt isabel crawford this poor woman was also apprehended and in great terror confessed the imputed crime retorting the principal blame on margaret barclay herself the trial was then appointed to proceed when alexander dane the husband of margaret barclay appeared in court with a lawyer to act in his wife's behalf apparently the sight of her husband awakened some hope and desire of life for when the prisoner was asked by the lawyer whether she wished to be defended she answered as you please but all i have confessed was in agony of torture and before god all i have spoken is false and untrue to which she pathetically added ye have been too long in coming the jury unmoved by these affecting circumstances proceeded upon the principle that the confession of the accused could not be considered as made under the influence of torture since the bars were not actually upon her limbs at the time it was delivered although they were placed at her elbow ready to be again laid on her bare shins if she was less explicit in her declaration than her auditors wished on this nice distinction they in one voice found margaret barclay guilty it is singular that she should have again returned to her confession after sentence and died affirming it the explanation of which however might be either that she had really in her ignorance and folly tampered with some idle spells or that an apparent penitence for her offence however imaginary was the only mode in which she could obtain any share of public sympathy at her death or a portion of the prayers of the clergy and congregation which in her circumstances she might be willing to purchase even by confession of what all believed respecting her it is remarkable that she earnestly entreated the magistrates that no harm should be done to isabel crawford the woman whom she had herself accused this unfortunate young creature was strangled at the stake and her body burnt to ashes having died with many expressions of religion and penitence it was one fatal consequence of these cruel persecutions that one pile was usually lighted at the embers of another accordingly in the present case three victims having already perished by this accusation the magistrates incensed at the nature of the crime so perilous as it seemed to men of a maritime life and at the loss of several friends of their own one of whom 
had been their principal magistrate did not forbear to insist against isabel crawford inculpated by margaret barclay's confession a new commission was granted for her trial and after the assistant minister of irvin mr david dixon had made earnest prayers to god for opening her obdurate and closed heart she was subjected to the torture of iron bars laid upon her bare shins her feet being in the stocks as in the case of margaret barclay she endured this torture with incredible firmness since she did admirably without any kind of din or exclamation suffer above thirty stone of iron to be laid on her legs never shrinking thereat in any sort but remaining as it were steady but in shifting the situation of the iron bars and removing them to another part of her shins her constancy gave way she broke out into horrible cries though not more than three bars were then actually on her person of take off take off on being relieved from the torture she made the usual confession of all that she was charged with and of a connection with the devil which had subsisted for several years sentence was given against her accordingly after this had been denounced she openly denied all her former confessions and died without any sign of repentance offering repeated interruption to the minister in his prayer and absolutely refusing to pardon the executioner this tragedy happened in the year sixteen thirteen and recorded as it is very particularly and at considerable length forms the most detailed specimen i have met with of a scottish trial for witchcraft illustrating in particular how poor wretches abandoned as they conceived by god and the world deprived of all human sympathy and exposed to personal tortures of an acute description became disposed to throw away the lives that were rendered bitter to them by a voluntary confession of guilt rather than struggle hopelessly against so many evils four persons here lost their lives merely because the throwing some clay models into the sea a fact told differently by the witnesses who spoke of it corresponded with the season for no day was fixed in which a particular vessel was lost it is scarce possible that after reading such a story a man of sense can listen for an instant to the evidence founded on confessions thus obtained which has been almost the sole reason by which a few individuals even in modern times have endeavoured to justify a belief in the existence of witchcraft the result of the judicial examination of a criminal when extorted by such means is the most suspicious of all evidence and even when voluntarily given is scarce admissible without the corroboration of other testimony we might here take leave of our scottish history of witchcraft by barely mentioning that many hundreds 
nay perhaps thousands lost their lives during two centuries on such charges and such evidence as proved the death of those persons in the trial of the irvin witches one case however is so much distinguished by fame among the numerous instances which occurred in scottish history that we are under the necessity of bestowing a few words upon those celebrated persons major weir and his sister the case of this notorious wizard was remarkable chiefly from his being a man of some condition the son of a gentleman and his mother a lady of family in clydesdale which was seldom the case with those that fell under similar accusations it was also remarkable in his case that he had been a covenanter and peculiarly attached to that cause in the years of the commonwealth this man was trusted and employed by those who were then at the head of affairs and was in sixteen forty nine commander of the city guard of edinburgh which procured him his title of major in this capacity he was understood as was indeed implied in the duties of that officer at the period to be very strict in executing severity upon such royalists as fell under his military charge it appears that the major with a maiden sister who had kept his house was subject to fits of melancholic lunacy an infirmity easily reconcilable with the formal pretences which he made to a high show of religious zeal he was peculiar in his gift of prayer and as was the custom of the period was often called to exercise his talent by the bedside of sick persons until it came to be observed that by some association which it is more easy to conceive than to explain he could not pray with the same warmth and fluency of expression unless when he had in his hand a stick of peculiar shape and appearance which he generally walked with it was noticed in short that when this stick was taken from him his wit and talent appeared to forsake him this major weir was seized by the magistrates on a strange whisper that became current respecting vile practices which he seems to have admitted without either shame or contrition the disgusting profligacies which he confessed were of such a character that it may be charitably hoped most of them were the fruits of a depraved imagination though he appears to have been in many respects a wicked and criminal hypocrite when he had completed his confession he avowed solemnly that he had not confessed the hundredth part of the crimes which he had committed from this time he would answer no interrogatory nor would he have recourse to prayer arguing that as he had no hope whatever of escaping satan there was no need of incensing him by vain efforts at repentance his witchcraft seems to have been taken for granted on his own confession as his indictment was chiefly founded on the same document in which he alleged he had never seen the devil but any feeling he had of him was in the dark 
he received sentence of death which he suffered twelfth april sixteen seventy at the gallow hill between leith and edinburgh he died so stupidly sullen and impenitent as to justify the opinion that he was oppressed with a kind of melancholy frenzy the consequence perhaps of remorse but such as urged him not to repent but to despair it seems probable that he was burnt alive his sister with whom he was supposed to have had an incestuous connection was condemned also to death leaving a stronger and more explicit testimony of their mutual sins than could be extracted from the major she gave as usual some account of her connection with the queen of the fairies and acknowledged the assistance she received from that sovereign in spinning an unusual quantity of yarn of her brother she said that one day a friend called upon them at noonday with a fiery chariot and invited them to visit a friend at dalkeith and that while there her brother received information of the event of the battle of worcestershire no one saw the style of their equipage except themselves on the scaffold this woman determining as she said to die with the greatest shame possible was with difficulty prevented from throwing off her clothes before the people and with scarce less trouble was she flung from the ladder by the executioner her last words were in the tone of the sect to which her brother had so long affected to belong many she said weep and lament for a poor old wretch like me but alas few are weeping for a broken covenant a scottish prelatus upon whom the covenanters used to throw many aspersions respecting their receiving proof against shot from the devil and other infernal practices rejoiced to have an opportunity in their turn to retort on their adversaries the charge of sorcery mr hicks the author of thesaurus septentrionalis published on the subject of major weir and the case of mitchell who fired at the archbishop of st andrews his book called revalac redivivus written with the unjust purpose of attaching to the religious sect to which the wizard and assassin belonged the charge of having fostered and encouraged the crimes they committed or attempted it is certain that no story of witchcraft or necromancy so many of which occurred near and in edinburgh made such a lasting impression on the public mind as that of major weir the remains of the house in which he and his sister lived are still shown at the head of the west bow which has a gloomy aspect well suited for a necromancer it was at different times a brazier's shop and a magazine for lint and in my younger days was employed for the latter use but no family would inhabit 
the haunted walls as a residence and bold was the urchin from the high school who dared approach the gloomy ruin at the risk of seeing the major's enchanted staff parading through the old apartments or hearing the hum of the necromantic wheel which procured for his sister such a character as a spinner at the time i am writing this last fortress of superstitious renown is in the course of being destroyed in order to the modern improvements now carrying on in a quarter long thought unimprovable as knowledge and learning began to increase the gentlemen and clergy of scotland became ashamed of the credulity of their ancestors and which trials although not discontinued more seldom disgrace our records of criminal jurisprudence sir john clerk a scholar and an antiquary the grandfather of the late celebrated john clerk of eldon had the honour to be amongst the first to decline acting as a commissioner on the trial of a witch to which he was appointed so early as sixteen seventy eight alleging dryly that he did not feel himself warlock that is conjurer sufficient to be a judge upon such an inquisition alan ramsay his friend and who must be supposed to speak the sense of his many respectable patrons had delivered his opinion on the subject in the gentle shepherd where moss's imaginary witchcraft constitutes the machinery of the poem yet these dawnings of sense and humanity were obscured by the clouds of the ancient superstition on more than one distinguished occasion in sixteen seventy six sir george maxwell of pollock apparently a man of melancholic and valetudinary habits believed himself bewitched to death by six witches one man and five women who were leagued for the purpose of tormenting a clay image in his likeness the chief evidence on the subject was a vagabond girl pretending to be deaf and dumb but as her imposture was afterwards discovered and herself punished it is reasonably to be concluded that she had herself formed the picture or image of sir george and had hid it where it was afterwards found in consequence of her own information in the meantime five of the accused were executed and the sixth only escaped on account of extreme youth a still more remarkable case occurred at paisley in sixteen ninety seven where a young girl about eleven years of age daughter of john shaw of bargarin was the principal evidence this unlucky damsel beginning her practices out of a quarrel with a maid-servant continued to imitate a case of possession so accurately that no less than twenty persons were condemned upon her evidence of whom five were executed besides one john reed who hanged himself in prison or as was charitably said was strangled by the devil in person lest he should make disclosures 
to the detriment of the service but even those who believed in witchcraft were now beginning to open their eyes to the dangers in the present mode of prosecution i own says the reverend mr bell in his manuscript treatise on witchcraft there has been much harm done to worthy and innocent persons in the common way of finding out witches and in the means made use of for promoting the discovery of such wretches and bringing them to justice so that oftentimes old age poverty features and ill-fame with such like grounds not worthy to be represented to a magistrate have yet moved many to suspect and defame their neighbours to the unspeakable prejudice of christian charity a late instance whereof we had in the west in the business of the sorceries exercised upon the laird of bargarn's daughter anno sixteen ninety seven a time when persons of more goodness and esteem than most of their calumniators were defamed for witches and which was occasioned mostly by the forwardness and absurd credulity of diverse otherwise worthy ministers of the gospel and some topping professors in and about the city of glasgow those who doubted of the sense of the law or reasonableness of the practice in such cases began to take courage and state their objections boldly in the year seventeen o four a frightful instance of popular bigotry occurred at pittenweem a strolling vagabond who affected fits laid an accusation of witchcraft against two women who were accordingly seized on and imprisoned with the usual severities one of the unhappy creatures janet cornfoot by name escaped from prison but was unhappily caught and brought back to pittenweem where she fell into the hands of a ferocious mob consisting of rude seamen and fishers the magistrates made no attempts for her rescue and the crowd exercised their brutal pleasure on the poor old woman pelting her with stones swung her suspended on a rope betwixt a ship and the shore and finally ended her miserable existence by throwing a door over her as she lay exhausted on the beach and heaping stones upon it till she was pressed to death as even the existing laws against witchcraft were transgressed by this brutal riot a warm attack was made upon the magistrates and ministers of the town by those who were shocked at a tragedy of such a horrible cast there were answers published in which the parties assailed were zealously defended the superior authorities were expected to take up the affair but it so happened during the general distraction of the country concerning the union that the murder went without the investigation which a crime so horrid demanded still however it was something gained that the cruelty was exposed to the public the voice of general opinion was now appealed to and in the long run the sentiments which it advocates are commonly those of good sense and humanity the officers in the higher branches of the law 
dared now assert their official authority and reserve for their own decision cases of supposed witchcraft which the fear of public clamour had induced them formerly to leave in the hands of inferior judges operated upon by all the prejudices of the country and the populace in seventeen eighteen the celebrated lawyer robert dundas of arniston then king's advocate wrote a severe letter of censure to the sheriff depute of caithness in the first place as having neglected to communicate officially certain precognitions which he had led respecting some recent practices of witchcraft in his county the advocate reminded this local judge that the duty of inferior magistrates in such cases was to advise with the king's counsel first whether they should be made subject of a trial or not and if so before what court and in what manner it should take place he also called the magistrate's attention to a report that he the sheriff depute intended to judge in the case himself a thing of too great difficulty to be tried without very deliberate advice and beyond the jurisdiction of an inferior court the sheriff depute sends with his apology the precognition of the affair which is one of the most nonsensical in this nonsensical department of the law a certain carpenter named william montgomery was so infested with cats which as his servant-maid reported spoke among themselves that he fell in a rage upon a party of these animals which had assembled in his house at irregular hours and betwixt his highland arms of knife dirk and broadsword and his professional weapon of an axe he made such a dispersion that they were quiet for the night in consequence of his blows two witches were said to have died the case of a third named nin gilbert was still more remarkable her leg being broken the injured limb withered pined and finally fell off on which the hag was enclosed in prison where she also died and the question which remained was whether any process should be directed against persons whom in her compelled confession she had as usual informed against the lord advocate as may be supposed quashed all further procedure in seventeen twenty an unlucky boy the third son of james lord torfinchen took it into his head under instructions it is said from a knavish governor to play the possessed and bewitched person laying the cause of his distress on certain old witches in calder near to which village his father had his mansion the women were imprisoned and one or two of them died but the crown council would not proceed to trial the noble family also began to see through the cheat the boy was sent to sea and though he is said at one time to have been disposed to try his fits while on board when the discipline of the navy proved too severe for his cunning in process of time he became a good sailor assisted gallantly in defence of the vessel against the pirates of angria and finally was drowned in a storm in the year seventeen twenty two a sheriff depute of sutherland captain david ross of littledean 
took it upon him in flagrant violation of the then established rules of jurisdiction to pronounce the last sentence of death for witchcraft which was ever passed in scotland the victim was an insane old woman belonging to the parish of loth who had so little idea of her situation as to rejoice at the sight of the fire which was destined to consume her she had a daughter lame both of hands and feet a circumstance attributed to the witches having been used to transform her into a pony and get her shod by the devil it does not appear that any punishment was inflicted for this cruel abuse of the law on the person of a creature so helpless but the son of the lame daughter he himself distinguished by the same misfortune was living so lately as to receive the charity of the present marchioness of stafford countess of sutherland in her own right to whom the poor of her extensive country are as well known as those of the higher order since this deplorable action there has been no judicial interference in scotland on account of witchcraft unless to prevent explosions of popular enmity against people suspected of such a crime of which some instances could be produced the remains of the superstition sometimes occur there can be no doubt that the vulgar are still addicted to the custom of scoring above the breath as it is termed and other counter-spells evincing that the belief in witchcraft is only asleep and might in remote corners be again awakened to deeds of blood an instance or two may be quoted chiefly as facts known to the author himself in a remote part of the highlands an ignorant and malignant woman seems really to have meditated the destruction of her neighbour's property by placing in a cow-house or byre as we call it a pot of baked clay containing locks of hair parings of nails and other trumpery this precious spell was discovered the design conjectured and the witch would have been torn to pieces had not a high-spirited and excellent lady in the neighbourhood gathered some of her people though these were not very fond of the service and by main force taken the unfortunate creature out of the hands of the populace the formidable spell is now in my possession about two years since as they were taking down the walls of a building formerly used as a feeding-house for cattle in the town of dalkeith there was found below the threshold stone the withered heart of some animal stuck full of many scores of pins a counter-charm according to tradition against the operations of witchcraft on the cattle which are kept within among the almost innumerable droves of bullocks which come down every year from the highlands for the south there is scarce one 
but has a curious knot upon his tail which is also a precaution lest an evil eye or an evil spell may do the animal harm the last scottish story with which i will trouble you happened in or shortly after the year eighteen hundred and the whole circumstances are well known to me the dearth of the years in the end of the eighteenth and beginning of this century was inconvenient to all but distressing to the poor a solitary old woman in a wild and lonely district subsisted chiefly by rearing chickens an operation requiring so much care and attention that the gentry and even the farmers wives often find it better to buy poultry at a certain age than to undertake the trouble of bringing them up as the old woman in the present instance fought her way through life better than her neighbours envy stigmatized her as having some unlawful mode of increasing the gains of her little trade and apparently she did not take much alarm at the accusation but she felt like others the dearth of the years alluded to and chiefly because the farmers were unwilling to sell grain in the very moderate quantities which she was able to purchase and without which her little stock of poultry must have been inevitably starved in distress on this account the dame went to a neighbouring farmer a very good-natured sensible honest man and requested him as a favour to sell her a peck of oats at any price good neighbour he said i am sorry to be obliged to refuse you but my corn is measured out for dalkeith market my carts are loaded to set out and to open these sacks again and for so small a quantity would cast my accounts loose and create much trouble and disadvantage i dare say you will get all you want at such a place or such a place on receiving this answer the old woman's temper gave way she scolded the wealthy farmer and wished evil to his property which was just setting off for the market they parted after some angry language on both sides and sure enough as the carts crossed the ford of the river beneath the farmhouse off came the wheel from one of them and five or six sacks of corn were damaged by the water the good farmer hardly knew what to think of this there were the two circumstances deemed of old essential and sufficient to the crime of witchcraft damnum minutum et malum secutum scarce knowing what to believe he hastened to consult the sheriff of the county as a friend rather than a magistrate upon a case so extraordinary the official person showed him that the laws against witchcraft were abrogated and had little difficulty to bring him to regard the matter in its true light of an accident it is strange but true that the accused herself was not to be reconciled to the sheriff's doctrine so easily he reminded her that if she used her tongue with so much license she must expose herself to suspicions and that should coincidences happen to irritate her neighbours she might suffer harm at a time when there was no one to protect her he therefore requested her to be more cautious in her language for her own sake professing at the same time 
his belief that her words and intentions were perfectly harmless and that he had no apprehension of being hurt by her let her wish her worst to him she was rather more angry than pleased at the well-meaning sheriff's scepticism i would be lathe to wish any ill either to you or yours sir she said for i canna know it is but something i comes after my words when i am ill-guided and speak o'er fast in short she was obstinate in claiming an influence over the destiny of others by words and wishes which might have in other times conveyed her to the stake for which her expressions their consequences and her disposition to insist upon their efficacy would certainly of old have made her a fit victim at present the story is scarcely worth mentioning but as it contains material resembling those out of which many tragic incidents have arisen so low in short is now the belief in witchcraft that perhaps it is only received by those half-crazy individuals who feel a species of consequence derived from accidental coincidences which were they received by the community in general would go near as on former occasions to cost the lives of those who make their boast of them at least one hypochondriac patient is known to the author who believes himself the victim of a gang of witches and ascribes his illness to their charms so that he wants nothing but an indulgent judge to awake again the old ideas of sorcery End of letter nine part two